you know, some of you may not have been here, but uh, we... Last week we had the EXO conference, marriage conference, and so on Sunday we actually streamed live uh, the video session from Pastor Jimmy Evans from Gateway in Dallas. And uh, so the, the, to give you the overview of his message was this, is that the prayer that the Holy Spirit loves is, I need you. How many of you know that we need the Holy Spirit? Yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't want to try to live this life for God without the help of the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, and it's such a vital part, uh, I believe, uh, for every believer is to acknowledge that, that hey, we need your help. And, uh, you know, it's, you say, well, I don't know how to get the Holy Spirit to help me. You just ask. And, uh, you know, it's not difficult, but you just ask the Holy Spirit to help. Say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I can't do what I need to do in and of myself. And, uh, you know, this morning I want to talk. Uh, I'll give you a title for those of you. How many of you like titles to messages? Some of you like them. Some of you don't. So I try to, I'll give them to you. So this is my, my title for this morning. I try to say it because I know there's some people that are like, what you know, we kind of have this phrase, is, you know, and I, I don't, how do I say this? Me and Derek have had this phrase. Where it came from is when I was a youth pastor is that I wouldn't stop for, to let people go to the bathroom. And so they called me the pee Nazi, right? And uh, so that was just something that they used to say about because they're like, you just wouldn't stop. And so some people want their titles, you know. And so here's your title. And uh, we all have our things, right, And uh, that we are just particular on. But here's your title for this morning. It says, it's not me, but he. It's not me, but he. And, uh, you know, there's so much about um, what I want to share this morning. And really, it has a lot to do with you and your personal life and you doing what the Lord would have you to do. Uh, you know, I don't think the Lord has ever asked me to do anything that was comfortable, that I felt like or knew that I could do. Uh, it was very rarely has it ever been something that I was like, oh, yeah, I can do that. And uh, typically, it's like, God, I can't do that. And, uh, and that's true in and of myself. And that's true for you in and of yourself and your abilities. And the Lord may give you some things that you're naturally gifted at, but He wants to take you beyond your abilities. You know, and, and so this morning I want to share just with you about this is that, you know, because I believe and I've shared and I'll share more about this next week. I believe that the Lord, uh, you know, I don't know, about a month ago or so now, that the Lord had given me some things that I believed in and still firmly believe were prophetic for this year. Uh, you know, as far as for you and for your life, but for you to see those things come about, it's not just based off of you. Like I'll just give you an example because one of the two specific areas was this, was financially. Well, it's not just about being a better budgeter that's going to help you financially. There's a part of that, but there's also a part that, hey, it's going to have to be the work of God. Let me say it this way. It can be the work of God. There's two ways for God to work. Either you can just be more disciplined, and we ought to have discipline in those areas. But there is something to be said when we do our part, but then the grace of God gets involved with us. And now it just begins to fast forward the the process. You know, but now we can choose to do it in our own strength if we want, or we can really submit to the Lord and say, okay, God, I'm going to do my part, but I'm still believing you to do more. You know, and, and, and so this morning I want to share with you about this. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Because so many times I believe that, you know, and Paul even wrote to the Corinthian church in another place where he talked about when they got saved, he said, man, you began in the Spirit. How many of you earned your salvation? How many of you just went to God and said, hey, I'm good enough and I deserve to get saved? Anybody? Was salvation not a work spiritually that happened first? That we didn't do anything? It was all God, right? 
Well, Paul gave an instruction to a church and he says, hey, why did you start in the spirit? But now you're going to try to complete or finish it or bring it to maturity in the flesh. He said, who's, he's, who's, who's fooled you? Who, who has tricked you to believe that you could actually complete the work that God started? God starts a work and God continues the work and God completes the work. I mean, that's what the Bible says, right? Is that he is faithful, the one who began a good work and you will complete it until the return of Christ. And yet so many times, maybe you're bent somewhat like me and, you know, you're, let's get it done and got my little things that I need to do. And so, but if I'm not careful, what happens is, is that I will become dependent upon myself to do what I need and I will no longer really be dependent upon the Lord. Well, the problem with that is, is that now I'm just, you know, I'll say it this way. If I'm dependent on me, then all I get is my results. I get the results that I can do in and of myself. But what happens when I actually fully do what I need to do, but then also trust God to take it even further? To take it to that place that I could never do, to take me beyond what I can do in and of myself. Now here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 26, Paul writes to this church and says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Let me say it another way. Is that he, he, he's kind of reminding them, remember, you were a bunch of nobodies. Y'all didn't have anything to offer God, right? I mean, that's kind of what he's saying. But in verse 27, it says, Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose those things that are powerless to uh, shame those who are powerful. It says, God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers as important. Now we see this obviously in the life of Christ. The Bible says about him in Isaiah that, that he was rejected. That people looked at him and said there was nothing special or, or, or significant about Jesus. And yet, it was, he was everything. The world had rejected him. Society had rejected him, and yet he was the very chosen one of God. Well, how many of you realize that that's also true about us? Verse 29, it says, As a result of this, that no one can ever boast in the presence of God. It says, God has uh, united you with Christ for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. Now, catch what I just said there. God made Christ to be wisdom for who? For us. Christ has been made wisdom for us. Well, what's wisdom? It's God's understanding. It's the, the, say it this way, is that one way um, that you can actually define that word wisdom is a hidden reality. And, it's been, and God has put his wisdom in Christ for us as believers. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. God made us right with God and he made us pure and holy and uh, he freed us from sin. He says, therefore, the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only in the Lord. You know, this year, part of what I've felt stirred in my heart about is for us as a church body is that God wanted to stretch us and enlarge us on a personal level. In other words, like, let me just kind of give you an example of this. You know, many of you know that Lita is the church secretary. How many of you know that? Lita right here. I know, Miss does everything, right? And uh, 
Hey, by the way, let me just say this. Because I can, because I've got the microphone, right? And, uh, you know, so we greatly appreciate her. But let me just remind everybody, she works for me, not you. Let me just take this moment right now. So she's not your, hey, let me call her to get it done. If you need her to do something, you can go through me. And uh, why? Because I'm her boss. So she's not everybody's employee. She's not the church's secretary. I know we say that. She's my secretary. Right? And so, let me... Like, that ain't in my notes. That's a freebie. She does a great job. But she's not our default to go to for any and everything. I know she's a wealth of knowledge. She's my default. So... But... She does a great job. But even in her role, I mean, she does a lot of things for us here at the church. You know, I mean, she handles lots and lots of things. And she does a great job. She's taken on even more responsibilities. But I also know this, is that she can do what she does in the natural. Just by virtue of her time, her effort, her energy, her desire to be a blessing to this church. She can do all of that in the flesh. But I, And even to a degree... Even with the help of God. But I also believe that, and I'm giving you this as a specific example because I believe this is true even for you this year. Is that there's also, I believe, an ability for her to step into a new grace to do what she does more efficiently, more effectively. Not any knock against her, but it would, let me say it this way, that it would become easier for her. The things that frustrated her last year won't frustrate her as much This year. Why? Because she can step into a grace that she's not known before. Now, I believe that that's not just true for her or for me. I believe that's true for you. That there are things that God wants you to grow into in the area of His grace. Let me say it this way. In the area of His divine assistance for you. That there are desires and things that God has placed in you to, to use you in certain aspects. Like, let me give you another example of this. We have people who serve in various capacities all throughout the church. Well, there's a grace to do those certain things. God has gifted me to teach adults, not children. Right? You don't want me back there with your children. Trust me. Trust me. But there's a grace on my life. But how many of you know that I could just stand up here and start talking and... Okay. But yet it's different when the grace of God is available and here to work through me. But how many of you realize that I have to grow in the grace of God in my life? Why? Because the grace that I walked in two years ago to pastor this church is not sufficient for me to walk in as the pastor of this church today. Well, that's not just true for me. If we have somebody back there in kids' church teaching... They need a greater grace today than they did two years ago. If we've got people serving a different... There needs to be a greater grace. And there may be things that God has placed in your life. And you're going to have to have an understanding and a realization. that This year God wants to bring more grace into my life. Now, here's the thing about grace. When more grace comes, more responsibility comes. Many times. You're like, well, I don't like that responsibility part. I like that easy part. I like it that, that God's going to help me do what I do and make it easier. And it's not going to be as difficult. But that's part of growing and maturing and developing into who God has called you to be. You know, and even as it says here, is that not many of you are wise or strong or however you want to say it. But yet God wants to use us 
even as flawed as we may be and have been, to do what? To show forth His goodness. To show forth His power. He wants to take what seems to be foolish to the world, to people outside of the family of God. Let me, I'll pick on Matt because Matt likes to pick on himself, so I'll pick on Matt. (laughs) Matt's got some stories about his past. And some people know know young Matt. (laughs) That's right. Some people know young Matt. But guess what? Matt has grown and matured and developed in what? The grace of God in his life. And guess what that says to other people? I used to know Matt, but that's not the Matt I knew. Something is different. You may not know what that something is, but something is different in him. I remember him from this time or that time or this moment, but that's not the same guy anymore. What is that? That's the power of salvation. That's the power of God. Through the work of Christ in our lives. I like to say it this way and think of it this way. Is I don't have to tell people that God is working in my life. They ought to be able to see it. Amen. I didn't have to tell people I got saved. My best friends knew something had changed. Now, they didn't know what. But they knew something was different about me. Well I believe that that change shouldn't have just happened one time when I got saved. I believe that that change should be perpetual and ongoing, but it's not just in and of myself. Why? Because me and my own mentality, my own understanding, my own wisdom, my own abilities is not enough to do what God's called me to do. You know, this is what I knew, whatever, two and a half years ago or so almost, when I, was, when I, when I took over this church. I was not ready to pastor. That's what I knew. Now, a few years before, absolutely I was. And that's why I wasn't ready to pastor. <laughs> and I remember talking with my pastor, Pastor Sam, and he asked me, you know, we were talking before, you know, it all, you know, played out or whatever you want to say. And I said, Pastor, you know, and he asked me, he said, you know, we were just talking. And he was like, you know, you know, what, what should, what's a, what, give me one good reason why you shouldn't, you know, step into this. I believe this is the Lord. And I told him, I said, Pastor, I'm not ready. And he got this big grin on his face and he goes, and that's why you are. (laughs) You know, and I was like, what? That makes no sense. Why? Because God was asking me to do something that I absolutely knew I could not do. 100%. I'm like, God, I don't know about this. Are you sure you got the right address on that memo? Because I'm not sure it came to the right place. But what did it cause me to do? It caused me to lean into the grace of God and say, okay, God, you must think I can do this, and I'm pretty sure I can't. But but what came out of that was a greater grace in my life. Things that used to, I mean, you know, some of you may not think about this, but preaching week in and week out can be a toll. To constantly, the mental side of it. I know y'all don't think about it. You're like, oh, you just get up there and start talking. It's easy. At some point today, you know what my next thought what, uh, thought will be today? I've got a sermon on Wednesday. Sunday comes every week. That's the problem. And Wednesday comes every week. That's the problem. 
And saying it's not just getting up here and talking what I'm actually supposed to bring a a word from heaven that actually is going to help change your life. No pressure, right? But guess what? It's not me anyway. I can't change your life. I can communicate some information, but that doesn't mean it's going to change your life. Doesn't mean it's going to help your situation. Doesn't mean it's going to help your marriage. Doesn't mean it's going to help your family. Doesn't mean it's going to change your financial situation. If I just get up here and communicate words. But if I will have spent time with the Lord, heard from heaven, brought the word of God with the help of the Holy Spirit, now the Holy Spirit takes that word and does something amazing with it. See, it's not me, it's He. And that's not just true for me as pastor of this church. That's for you in this season of life and in this moment of time that you have is that, look, you're going to have to have the help of the Holy Spirit because you may have a desire in your heart that says, I want to do this. And you say, I can't. Great. You're in the perfect place. Because now what you're convinced of is that you need the Holy Spirit because you do. You need His help. You need His wisdom. You need His ability And that's going to require some growth. And and the Lord is stirring in some things in you to stretch into. Why? Because He has a new place for you to go. He's got a new arena for you to step in. It's not okay to just be who I've always been. No, the Lord wants me to what? To grow. The Bible says He wants to take me from glory to glory, from one level to another to another. God wants us to grow. But it's not just based off of who we've been whether good or bad, has nothing to do with that. God wants to use us to to make foolish to the world what they said. You know, and I say, you know, and I've, I've shared this many times. God called me to preach. Why? Because I failed speech in college three times. That's why. Convinced of it. Can't do that. God will use you in the area of your weakness. God wants to use you in the areas that you say, well, I can't do that. Or, you know, I just don't know that I have the ability. I don't know that I can can stretch out in that place and, and to do what God's really wanting me to do. Sure you can, but you can't do it by yourself. You can't do it in your own strength or your own ability. It's not about that. It's about really getting to the place of saying, Lord, I recognize how much I really need you. Like, Lord, I'm in a financial mess. I can't fix this. What do I do? Lord, I I need you. I need you to give me some wisdom. I need you to give me some favor. I need you to help me in this moment. See, the problem is is that we become so uh, dependent upon ourselves to fix our problems. when We never could fix our problems in the first place. That's why we got saved. Because we realized we had an issue called sin. We could do nothing about it. That's the reason that Jesus came, to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Well, the grace of God comes upon us in much the same way. It enables us to do what we could not do in and of ourselves. You know, Paul writes over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about his weakness. In the second part of verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 12, Paul talks, well, we'll just start at the beginning. He says... um, Now, Paul was obviously an apostle. He was one called to plant churches, build churches, to oversee churches. And he had this great revelation. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He wrote more of the New Testament than any other person. It says, Even though I received such wonderful revelations from God, 
to keep me from becoming proud. Let me say it this way. To keep me from becoming self-sufficient. You know, that's what pride is. It's self-sufficiency. To keep me from becoming dependent upon myself. He says, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Now, there's a lot of debate as to what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. Like, well, what was it and where did it come from and who brought it? And The Bible says what it was. It was a spirit sent by the enemy to torment him. Now, a lot of people say, or have the thought, well, the Lord sent that to him. Does it say the Lord gave him a thorn in the flesh? No, it says that there was a demonic power strategically assigned to him. To what? Harass him. That's what was going on here. And it says to keep him... Or to keep him from becoming proud. In verse 8 he says three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. You ever begged the Lord? Anybody? Just me? I don't know. Just me. I've begged the Lord before. Like throw me a bone. Help me out. Do something please. It says three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said my grace is all that you need. My grace is all that you need. What if I told you that everything God wanted, you, wanted to do in your life this year. All you needed was his grace. You didn't need to get smarter, wiser, more disciplined. Now, all those things are good. There's nothing wrong with those things. But what if your answer to receive what God has for you is simply receiving more of His grace? It's not Because it's not human effort. Now, most of you have heard me preach enough to know, you got to do your part. But you can only do your part. You're not God and you can't do His part. And the problem is we try to play God, try to step into his role and say, okay, now I'm going to fix my stuff and I'm going to fix all the things that I've got going on. We're not God. We have to allow his grace to work in our lives that will enable us to do more than we could ever do by ourselves. So the Lord responds to Paul. Let's say, Lord, don't you see my problem? Now, I'll just tell you, we never see that this spirit actually left Paul. It never says that he cast it out or that he dealt with it with spiritual... We never read that. Nothing else is really said about it beyond this scripture. So this is what I believe happened. I believe that it probably persisted, but Paul had learned how to tap into the grace of God where he was able to rise above the attacks of the enemy. He was able to walk above them. So God responds to him and says, My grace is all that you need, and my power works best in weakness. God's power works best in weakness, humility. So Paul goes on, he says, So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and troubles. That I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. See, here's the truth. There's nothing wrong with weakness in our life. There's something wrong with staying there. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. Right? As a church and as a pastor, I believe that. We ought to be a place where broken people can come. But I don't want you broken in ten years. I want you healed and I want you whole. Five years, two years, a year, six months, three months, two weeks. 
I don't want you broken. But we do have to get to a place where we, just like it was with salvation, what the Bible says that we had to submit our hearts to the Lordship of Jesus, right? Do you get saved just because you pray a prayer? I believe that Jesus is the Lord. I believe He's the Savior. I believe He died on the cross and I'm saved. Does just saying those words equal salvation? No. The Bible doesn't say, say this prayer out loud and you'll get saved. Why? Because it requires some faith and some belief and some submission to the Lord. That I've given you now the keys to my life and you're in the driver's seat, not me. And so because of that, you're in control of my life. So now I'm going to submit my life to you. I'm going to surrender my heart to you. And I'm going to ask you to do more with me than I could ever do with myself. With my life. Verse 10 in the Amplified Bible says this. It says, when I'm weak in human strength, then I am strong, truly able, truly powerful, and truly drawing from God's strength. Only in that moment, once I've reached the end of myself, my abilities, can I actually pray and say, okay, Lord, I recognize my weakness. I recognize that I can't do these things that you're stirring in me. And so now I'm looking to you and asking you for help. See, God's grace brings what, what into us. It's, a, it's, it's His power. It's the power of Christ into our hearts, into our lives, into our minds. So that what? We can now become who we could not be in and of ourselves. I mean, I can look back in my life and in my walk with the Lord and remember struggles that I had for years and years and years. That I fought and fought and fought trying to be who I thought God wanted me to be. Until I finally got to the place where I just said, God, I can't fix myself. And I need some help. And it was amazing. How quickly things begin to change. Because I had given up changing myself. Trying to be who I thought I was supposed to be. At some point, you've got to settle in your heart into the grace of God. God, I'll do my part. I'm going to put myself in your presence. I'm going to keep your word hidden in my heart. But look, the work that you want to do in me has got to be done by you because I can't do it. And that's just an honest prayer before the Lord. God, I need your grace today. I mean, just like Pastor Jimmy was saying last week, we ought to wake up every day saying, Holy Spirit, I need you today. I'm just going to start the day off. I ain't even got out of bed, but I already need you. I don't know what today holds, but I'm going to need you today. I'm going to need your grace to help me and give me wisdom and understanding for whatever may come across my path today. I may have family problems. I may have problems at work. I may have, who knows, I may have neighbor problems. But I'm going to need some wisdom today. The Bible says that Christ has been made wisdom unto me and for me. So Holy Spirit, I need you today. It's not me, but it's he in me. That I've got to learn how to tap into God's grace in my life. To more accurately do what he's called me to do. Because God has given you desires. God has given you, uh, you know, and I don't care whether you're a student, whether you're somebody in the business world, whether you own your own business. Whatever it may be, you can tap into the grace of God to help you. I mean, I got saved at 17 years old. I was a high school student. I learned real quick 
the verse that said, the Holy Spirit would bring back all things to my remembrance. I never took a test without praying that prayer. Holy Spirit, I've studied, probably not enough, but I have studied, so I thank you that you helped me. Everything that I've read, everything that i studied, you're going to bring it back to my mind. And it's amazing, my grades went up. Why? Because now I was actually asking the Holy Spirit. Now I didn't know, I had no spiritual sense at all. But I had enough sense to know that. Well, the Bible says I can pray and he'll bring all things back to my remembrance. I'm going to try this thing out. Let's see how this thing works. And the Holy Spirit did. Now, he didn't give me answers to things that I did not study. So (laughs) there's got to be some application there. See, God's grace brings an ability into our lives that we've not previously walked in. It'll help you do what you've been previously unable to do, or it will also it can also help take you to a new level. Let me even bring this down to even a more kind of another area. I believe that even in my life as a husband and as a father, that I can step into new grace in my life. That I can actually be a better husband, not because I've made different decisions, but because I've said, Holy Spirit, I need your help to husband my wife properly. Holy Spirit, I need your help to be a father that, that I, the way I should be. And what am I doing? I, I'm inviting the Holy Spirit now to help me to actually be a better father. And it's amazing in moments where the Holy Spirit will speak and say, Hey, you need to go give him a hug. It's little things. Go pick him up. Hey, don't work tonight. Spend some time with him. Spend some time with your wife. See, that's the Holy Spirit helping me be a better husband. Well, what is it? That's a new grace. Things that used to drive me up the wall or frustrate me or whatever. Sometimes, I, you know, and, and look, we're all guilty of this, especially if you're married. Lord, change them. 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 They're not my, the thorn in my flesh, but they feel like it right now. Change them. Change them. Change them. Right? Lord, why did you give me this kid? Like, they had those moments. Well, here, in that moment, here's what you do. Holy Spirit, I need you. I need some grace in my life. I need, to, I need help because here's the thing, and I know we don't want to admit this, but this is the reality. You don't know how to be a better husband. You don't know how to be a better wife. You don't know how to be a better parent. You, we don't. We don't have the answers in and of ourselves. So we need the Holy Spirit's help. Help me to love people better. We don't, we, don't know, we don't have the answers for that. Being nice is not loving people better. Lord, help me walk in love with people. I need your grace because I, I don't have it. It's an acknowledgement to God. I need your ability to come alive on the inside of me. I need your grace in a greater measure. I believe that there's giftings in you that have been laying dormant. Some of you, you have promises from God that God has stirred in you maybe years and years and years ago and you've sat on them. You need to begin to believe God and ask God for more grace in that area of your life. Hey. That's one of the things I was praying about that the Lord spoke to me about this year. Is that people would step into their callings. And even in a greater measure than they've ever known.
a greater ability and a greater uh, operation. And co- let me say it this way: another a greater level of cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Now you can take that for what you want. I'm just telling you what I felt the Lord stirred in my heart about you for this year. God wants you to to rise to a new level. And there's no, nothing specific as far as, well, it's in this area or that area or whatever. No, I believe across the board. The Lord didn't give me anything specific. So I believe that applies to any situation. But see, it's not going to happen just because we do something in and of ourselves that we're better or we're stronger or we're this or we're that. or You know, there's nothing wrong with reading and studying. and Nothing wrong with those things. You know, go get a book, Five Steps to Be a Better Mom. Two steps to be a better husband, because you know men don't like too many things to do. So give us one, maybe two. Don't give us three, right? You know, give us give us one or two. Don't give us too many. You know, women, twenty steps to being a better mom. You know, we're already checked out as men. Number two. Are those books helpful? Sure. Is there anything wrong with counseling? No, not if you need it. Go get it. There's nothing wrong with it. But what about the grace of God? The Bible says about the Holy Spirit, He's the great counselor. He's not just a good counselor, He's a great counselor. He's the one where the ability of God comes from. And in His ability, when we learn to surrender, even in our weakness, like God, I've come to the end of myself and I need more of you. The longer I've walked with God, the more I realize I don't have this. The closer I walk with the Lord, the more I realize, man, God, I need you to work in me what you want. It's a continual dying to self and self-sufficiency. I want to be less dependent on me in this next year than I am this year. God, I need you to work. I need you to speak. I need you to give me wisdom. It's living a life that recognizes, God, I need you. I need your help. Now... You know, it's one thing, and I said this earlier. It's one thing if two and a half years ago, or almost two and a half years ago, that I prayed and said, Lord, I can't pastor this church. But it would not be okay if I was still saying that today. It wouldn't be. Now, am I just as dependent on the Lord as I was two and a half years ago? Yes. But there, what happens is that my weakness gets replaced with confidence in Him. And in His ability to work through me. Well, the same is true for you. You've got to learn how to look at your weakness no longer as a weakness. But hey, in my weakness, that's where God comes in and works. So now I can boast. Look what God has done because we all know I didn't do this. That's what happens when we actually have the confidence. Because here's one of the things that... I believe that, that, that the enemy has used, and even this goes back into one of the other two things that, you know, one of the things that uh, the Lord had stirred in me about this year was replacing a spirit of heaviness with the spirit of joy, right? And the Bible says that He would give you a, a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. It's an exchange. I believe some of you, I'm not saying all of you, but I believe some of you have limitations in your mind as to who, what you can do and what God wants to use you for simply because of your own insecurities. Because of your mind saying, well, God doesn't want to use me. You know, I, I, use, I kind of picked on Matt in this way, so I'm going to come back over to Matt. <laughs> Love Matt. Amen. But you know how the enemy works? 
Well, Matt, you know, you know who you used to be. You know what you did. Why, God can't use you. You're flawed. Welcome to the club, by the way. God uses flawed people. Why? Because we're all flawed. If God only uses perfect people, who's God going to use? Nobody. Nobody. But that could become a limitation for him saying, well, God will only bless you to this level. God will only use you in this place. God would only do this for you. God would only do... Like there's some kind of limit. Where did the grace of God stop? Did God's grace stop flowing at any level of sin or did it cover all sin? Did it just, you know, move them or did it cleanse them? It cleansed them. It completely removed them. The psalmist wrote, says, as far as the east is from the west, the Lord will remember our sin no more. Now, I don't know how far it is from east and west, but apparently it's a pretty long way. But see, I believe that that there are lies that you've bought into and listened to and and have rehearsed in your heart over and over and over again. To the point that you now believe it. Well, this is just who I am. This is just the way it's going to be. This is just my level in life. You believe the loudest, most dominant voice in your life. And if the enemy whispers lies and then you begin to repeat them, that becomes your belief. And the only way to overcome that is to replace it with something greater. Let me say it this way. Those lies that echo in your heart, you're going to have to have a voice that's louder to replace it with. You're going to have to let the, the grace of God, the anointing of God, the word of God echo in your heart that says, I can do all things through Christ. You know, a lot of people say, well, I can do all things through Christ. Well, let me kind of give you a more accurate statement. You can do all things that God has called you to do. You can't do everything and anything, but you can do everything that God has called you for. Why? Because if there's a calling, there's a grace to do the calling. God won't overload you beyond what you can do, what you can handle, but God gives you grace. See, I believe that, you know, that, by the way, that verse is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, in case you don't know. But see, some of you need to take hold of that verse. I don't know how to be a better husband, but I can do all things through Christ. I don't know how to be a better parent. I don't know how to be a better boss. I don't know how to be a better employee. I don't know how to do lots of things. But I can do all things through Christ. God, you gave me a child, so there must be a grace in my life to... to, Let me say it. Well, this is how I view it. To pastor my child, to pastor my wife. As the man of my house, the Bible says I'm the priest of my home. Men, you're the priest of your home. Congratulations. (laughs) You're like, well, I don't like that. That's what the Bible says. And you're actually to pastor your wife. That means you're spiritually to take the lead and to lead your wife well. You're to spiritually lead your family well. You're like, well, I don't like that. That feels like some pressure. It is. 
But there's a grace on your life to do it. When we're talking about the, the grace of God, here's another word that's a synonym for it. It's the anointing of God. You're anointed to do the things God's called you to do. That's His ability. That, that's His uh, function through us. But it requires us to be dependent upon Him. Our prayers are just prayers until the Holy Spirit comes. Or let me say, is that the, our prayers are just prayers until the Holy Spirit gets involved. Then they become powerful. Then they become dynamic. They're just words. Until God gets involved. And then all of a sudden something transpires. And something powerful begins to work. The same is true for you. In every area of your life. It's not me. It's He. It's not about what I can do. what What I have. What I can offer. No, it's about God working in me. What? Producing His good pleasure. Producing in me the desire... To do what? What brings glory and honor to Him? See, if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to to teach you, He'll teach you who you really are. See, the thing is, the devil's a teacher too. And he wants to teach you who you are. But he wants to always drag you back to who you once were, your mistakes, who you even may be. Here's how the Holy Spirit teaches you. He wants to take you into the future and say, but this is who you are. This is who you've been created to be. And the Holy Spirit wants to teach us and help us to get to that place. But we've got to recognize our dependence upon Him. In my weakness, God, I'm going to cry out and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you in this moment. I may not be all that I need to be. But I am growing and and I'm doing what I know to do. And Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you into my life. I'm inviting you into my heart and I need you. And I need your help. You know, as I was praying about this message, there was one statement that I just kept hearing. So I'm going to say it because I don't know who it's for. But, um, you know, but I believe that it's for somebody is that God is not against you. I believe there's, maybe it's one, I don't know. But you have that thought that God is against me. Well, that's not what the Bible says. You go read Romans 8. 31 through 38, 39. God is for you. He's not against you. God is on your side. God is fighting for you. God is working for you. He is not opposed and and set himself against you in any way. That's a lie of the enemy to what? To discourage you and to get you off course. So if that's for you, you can take it. God is for you. He is not against you. God's purpose and God's plan for you is for your good, not your evil. The Bible says that God's plans give us hope and an expected good end. Jeremiah 29, 11, that's the amplified the way it says, to give you an expected good end. That's God's desire for your life. But it's not just going to happen because, well, I'm just doing what I can do. No, it's saying, God, man, I, I need you to work through me. I need you where I I come to the end of myself, even in my weakness, even when I've had my enough moment. You ever have those moments? Everybody has them, you know. Enough. When you get to that place, God, I need more grace. 
need more grace. I need more of your help. I need more of your ability in my life. Because you've put me in this place for a reason. And you've brought me to this season and this moment for your purpose. But I need your help to do what you've called me to do. See, and when we learn to tap into his grace, it's just like what I was talking about with Lita earlier. That she, was, she may still be doing the exact same thing she was doing. But all of a sudden there's an ease to it. There's, there's a flow of the Spirit of God enabling her to do what she does on a day-to-day basis. And now, all of a sudden, those things that used to maybe not even make sense, all of a sudden there's going to be understanding. Things that, and I say this for all of us, things that may have been difficult and hard to figure out. Man, I can't, I just haven't, you ever been in those moments where you're trying to work on something, you're like, I just can't figure this out and it drives you crazy? You're like, why can't I get this? Why can't I figure this out? Why can't, you know, why can't we just get along? What's the deal? You need the grace of God. It's the oil that we were meant to to run on. 